of Yahweh this morning, this time. Thank you, Father, that we share this together. You are with me here now. That you breathe into my lungs to be up doing your business, to share your word, your truth, your knowledge, and your wisdom, Father God. To any that would have an ear, to let them hear the words, but more importantly, to listen to the message. Listen to what you're saying and be drawn to your word, Father God, to seek your face, to seek the depth of your truth, your knowledge and your wisdom, Father God, to come and find you. To seek that beautiful treasure, that wisdom that you share so freely. And Father, despite what some think that this is your treasure house, you're, it for me, it's your treasury that I come and I'm able to take parts of the treasure and share it, Father God. There are some that don't see it that way, but that's okay, Father, because you show me how you want me to see it. You share it with me that way. And it is a beautiful thing, Father God, that every day you let me come to the treasury and you have the doors open for me. And I go in and I take treasure, jewels, precious gems, and I fill the basket and then bring it out to share. And Father God, thank you so much for allowing me to be a conduit. Thank you for just loving me so much, Father, that I share this with anyone else. Ava Yahweh Aman, Yeshua Aman, Paraklitos Aman. Yeah, you heard me say that. There are individuals that, I don't, I don't to be perfectly honest with you, these are some of those, uh, you've heard me call them, and yeah, it's a, Theological wizards, they like to think that they're so vaunted above everyone else and that what they have to say is factual and true and and they want to degrade anyone else that believes anything other than what they believe. But that to me, brothers and sisters, is pure parasitical tyranny and I don't go for it. Why? Because God's word is truth and he tells me and he showed me and allows me to go into the treasury, which is the word. And it's like a treasure house. And individuals don't want to see that. And they put that down. But that's okay, because I, I don't get mad at them. I just pray for them. That perhaps for some reason they decide that it's that's not their vision. <coughs> that's okay. Pardon me. But God showed me this, and it's it's a beautiful thing, and it drove me to tears because he allows me to go in, and the scripture actually talks about the word and the words that he shares, calls it the bread of life, but he also, it's also compared to being gems and treasure. So 
for them to deny that and say that it's not, it's, it, it sounds like they're arguing with God. So I'll let them argue with him and not with me because the argument's not with me. And you know my favorite saying, I just don't care. Why? Not to be angry or confrontational with them, but I just don't care because the validation of what God shows me is truth and what they can believe or the way that they believe and they want to deny that and they want to dispute that, they can argue with him and his sovereignty is much more powerful and he is the Lord God Almighty. So I'm not going to get into that. But it's interesting, and I bring that up because in, um, no, hold on here a second. This is this is a thing that, um, hold on here a second. I'm, I'm getting into this because this was in part of my earlier reading. Uh, I want to make sure I get the get it right. Ah, here we go. Yeah, it's Romans, uh, Romans nine, and we go to verse twenty. And Paul is writing to the church in Rome, and I've shared with you before that they have a little bit of situation going on because they have the Romans, they have the Greeks, they have the Jews that claim to be. Jews, but they don't act like Jews. They act like something else. Um, then they have those that come and infiltrate the church and they uh, beleaguer and belittle and degrade. And then there's all sorts of... And the church in Rome, they felt a little lost. So Paul's writing to the church in Rome. It's a little bit different than others, but here's an interesting thing. That, is, um, that I find interesting because this is this is kind of like the theological wizards. The what they do is they see they don't want to they don't want to go after God because they know that He'll give them a little uh, to sound a little bit crude that He might give them a little flick in the ear or um, might give them a little spank, and they don't want to they don't want to do that. See, so they're what they'll do is they're going to go after somebody that they don't think is going to have any kind of authority and that there's not going to be, this is why they do things like coming after people like me or others that are doing God's bidding and sharing God's truth. But I am of the point that because of my age partially, and because I know that God gives me truth and that he shares truth and that that's all that I do. And then he permits it because he knows that that's what I'm doing. I'm not making anything up so that I am more important than anybody else. And so therefore those that come after me the way they do, oh, well, um, so be it. Even so come Lord God, even so come bring it on. And I'm told by Jesus and other disciples and those other writers in the Bible. Um, so it's going to be that way. But here in Romans 9, uh, it's a little bit more specific because <coughs> um, I like this. Uh, coming down into verse 20.
there's a little controversy and things that are going on back and forth in the Church of Rome. And Paul, Paul is doing his best to um, he's trying to do his best to help them out, straighten them out, um, edify them. Edification, remember, is to teach, but giving them clarity and uplift them so they're not left bewildered. Um, and as he's sharing with them in, in chapter 9, um, verse 9, For this is the word of promise, and at this time I will come, and Sarah shall have a son. And Paul is trying to teach him about um, things that happen in their history, and he's trying to explain things that are happening, um, talking about Rebecca and talking about uh, Isaac and talking about their history and trying to help them out and clarify things for them and show these things to him. But then as we go down further in here, he's trying to, to get them to understand things. And he's explaining to them some of the controversy that went on because Esau and Jacob, if you remember, that um, sort of deceived their father and for birthright. Anyway, there's a lot of argument going on and the Jews that were in and populating the area around the church in Rome were stirring up a lot of this controversy. And he just tried to point things out. And as Paul is explaining to them, if we find we jump down into verse 14 <coughs> and God is having conversation with Moses because this conversation previously is going on and Paul's trying to share it with them and get them to understand in clarity, giving them the history between uh, from Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and on down through their lineage and trying to help them understand. So as it is written, Jacob have I loved, but Esau have I hated. What shall we say then? Is there unrighteousness with God? God forbid. For he saith to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. So then it is not of him that willeth, nor him that runneth, but of God that showeth mercy. For the scripture saith unto Pharaoh, even for this same purpose have I raised thee up, that I may show my power in thee, and that my name might be declared throughout all the earth. Therefore hath he mercy on whom he will have mercy and whom he will, he hardeneth. And thou wilt say then unto me, why doth he yet find fault? For whom hath res resisted his will? Nay, but O man, who art thou that repliest against God? And Paul is trying to get them to, to understand these. And we have folks that have a hard time understanding that here and now, that God's will be done. <clears throat> it's not our decision. It's not our will. And we have folks down here 
that shake up their phone. Well, Paul is saying your neighbor, oh man, who art thou that replies against God? What's he, what's he saying there? Who are you to backsass God? Who are you to backsass your heavenly father? Let me ask some of you a question here. Of course, nowadays you don't get any parenting, so or very little parenting. Um, so things are different. That's just my opinion. To make it factual, just so back off. Don't get all antsy and get your knickers all twisted up for that. It's facts. Um, back when I was younger, parents, you didn't backsass mom and dad. If they told you something, you didn't backsass them. The one time that I thought that I was tough enough and I told my mother to where to head out and I told my father, you know, and I was getting ready to leave and graduate and go in the service and all this other stuff. So I had all sorts of attitudinal stuff going on. Wasn't walking with God. Otherwise, I would have been more honorable to my mother and father. So I got, I got pretty lippy. And uh, thought that it was a done deal. And I started walking away. And then I heard a whoa, 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 whoa. I thought it sounded like a, I don't know, goodness gracious, it sounded like a, an earthquake was coming. And turned around just in time to see my father was right there. He was on me. I didn't have anything to do but try to backpedal and fall down and get all silly and clumsy and stupid. <laughs> yeah, that happened. So you're going to backsass your Heavenly Father and you're going to reply to him and speak against God for him doing something that you don't see the big... See, here's the problem that we have as man and mammon is that we don't see the big picture. God sees everything and what is beneficial for all things and better for most. And it might be not so acceptable to what we see, but God is our heavenly father. All things work together for good for them that love the Lord. In his will, if you're in his will and you're following the the tenets of God and you're in the word of God, you're studying and you're staying true to that. And God is going to, God is merciful. He's tender and he breathes life into you every day, lets you get up, move around, guides you through the day, teaches you and shows things. And things are not going to be exactly right for you all the time. And that's not because God's making it that way. That's because this plane of existence is that way. We made choices that disrupt everything else. And here's the point. Let's go back in history, shall we? Let's go back to the Garden of Eden. What was happening in the Garden of Eden? <clears throat> well, before the serpent came along, you had naked Adam and Eve walking around in the garden. And in the cool of the day, God would come down and walk through the garden with them and talk with them. They didn't think about being naked. He didn't think about them being naked. It doesn't matter. They were his creation. They were his children. And he gave them everything that they needed there to eat and feed. And, and they were in charge of everything there. And he would provide food for them. <coughs> Pardon me. They didn't need for anything. And then along comes the devil and the guys of the serpent. And he convinces Eve that, oh, 
hold on a second. See, they had everything they needed, but he convinced her that she didn't have everything she needed because God told her not to touch that tree. And Satan kind of pointed his forked tongue down there and hissed out the little wordage. And she looked in the direction that he was trying to get her to look. And she saw the tree and she goes, oh, it is a beautiful tree. And there's really nice fruit on the tree. So they kind of, she strolled over there and the serpent was slithering along with her and convinced her that she ought to be able to eat that tree and that she will not surely die. Well, here's the thing. She didn't need it because they had all they needed to eat. They had all they needed already. But the devil convinced her that she needed to have that fruit as well. Reality is that it's not so. So this is what happens with us now. It still happens that way now. We, dis we confuse what we want with what we need and we get all messed up. <clears throat> Pardon me. We make a thorough mess of things because we get all twisted around. Don't need it, just want it, but we think we have to have it. Nope, you don't. But then we start talking and backsassing God. Hey, how come I can't have that? over there. Well, who are you to talk back to God? Nay, but O man, who art thou that repliest against God? Shall the thing formed say to him that formed it, why hast thou made me thus? Hath not the potter power over the clay of the same lump to make one vessel unto honor and another unto dishonor? What that means is not so much that per se, but it's that one might be a really fine bowl and a vase and something really for guests to come, and the other one's more for everyday use. That Martha might be thrown around, you know, and she gets all worried about everybody getting in there, so she starts throwing that stuff around. But when there's special guests and a special meal, she brings out the good china, my mother used to have that. She had the good china and the everyday stuff. And, you know, the good china was brought out when special guests were over and he had company. And silverware is even different. Back in the day now, it just nobody really cares anymore. But there was a time where it did. So the point that Paul is making here is that potters will do that. And it's up to God. This is this is what we need to be very cautious of. We need to get away from comparing ourselves to other people within the body of the church. I've shared this with you before. Why are you busy comparing yourself or what somebody else in the church is doing and why you're not able to do that or why you haven't been chosen to do that and somebody else's? Now, I have a, I had a struggle with this and I had to get get over myself and ask for help. I didn't go to the elders of the church. I went to my father. I went to my heavenly father. I asked his forgiveness. And I said, give me strength in this, father, because the devil wants me to be 
antagonistic. He wants me to be confrontational. He wants me to be comparing and he wants me to be derisive. He wants me to be um, judgmental and so forth and so on. These are all the things that come out of being, of comparing. All these things come out. All sorts of things that you don't really want to be a part of, but they come in there because of the wiles of the devil. This is what he did to Eve. And then before you know it, <coughs> pardon me, <clears throat> before you know it, now Adam and Eve are no longer walking with God in the garden and talking with him because now they're busy hiding from God. Now they're worried about being naked. They never worried about it before. Now all of a sudden they're worried about having no clothes. So they got to they gotta somehow sew fig leaves together and make themselves covers. So God doesn't see what he already knew they had. He created them. God knew what was there. Here's the thing, brothers and sisters. Like I've shared this with you before, and, and I had uh, I had another person share with me, and, and I thought it was kind of cool. And I know it might sound a little bit odd, but it was sharing about how she prays in the shower in the morning, getting ready for work. Brothers and sisters, you got to learn how to do this stuff. It's not dishonorable to talk to God in intimacy that way. Because, like I said, he already knows. He sang over you before you came here. He knows what I look like without clothes. So I talk to him in the shower. I sing to him. I pray to him. And I talk to God while I'm in the shower getting ready for my day to go. Pretty much talk to God all day long. And it starts early in the morning. As uh, Torah calls uh, where is it? It's, uh, uh, hold on, I want to make sure I get it right. Torah declares that God's time is the fourth watch. And what is the fourth watch? For Hebrews and, and uh, before Roman came in and through their influence in there, that's from, generally the fourth watch is from 3 a.m. to 6 a.m., why do you suppose that is? Because it's quiet. There's not the hustle and bustle of the day. The day is just starting. A lot of people are still asleep. But when you're up and you start talking to God and you bring God into your quiet time and you're there and you, you're up moving around, God wants to come and hang out with you. That's God's time. Torah talks about that. Pardon And there's a difference in times because the Hebrews, they had different times or watches as they would call them. And then with the Roman influence came, uh, those were changed from three watches to four watches. And they were different times because they had guards and things that were going on that were different. Things were different when the Romans came. But I share that with you because the early morning hours, so what am I, okay, let me share this with you. I'm going to go ahead and do this. I don't do this very often, but right now it's 3.27 a.m. 
3.27 a.m. And sometimes the Holy Spirit will rouse me and get me thinking about things to get me up and over to my study desk and open the Bible and pull up this and, and start sharing like I'm doing. But I'm about God's business. This is his business. I'm sharing his word. And I just thought that it was interesting here that, that this came up with uh, Paul writing to the church in Rome. <laughs> but we get this way and we get this way now. So this is in response to the perverts that say that they have to rewrite the Bible so that it's more relevant to this day and age. Hold on, Baba Louie. Wait a second. They're doing the same thing then as we do now. And it's nearly identical, except they're talking about the church in Rome, and they're talking about the Jewry, who are really heathenistic overlords, and they, they complain about the Romans. We complain about the police. We complain about the government. They complain about their hierarchy and the governors and all that. They're, it's the same thing. So how does the Bible need to be rewritten to be more relevant? How much more relevant do you even need? Come on, brothers and sisters, open your eyes, open your ears, look with spiritual eyesight and listen with spiritual hearing. Don't only listen to the words that I'm sharing with you, listen to the message. And if you have questions and you have depth, go to the word of God. I tell you, that's where it comes from anyway. Pardon me. Sorry about that. Yeah, the devil's trying to keep me agitated. That's okay. So, further sharing in Romans 9. And he's talking about who are we that we think, we think that we have authority to backsass God or we have the authority that we believe that we can ask God and it's kind of pretty much that's what it's doing saying to God I would hope that you would do this but pretty much saying God what do you think you're doing what do you think you're doing here in my what are you doing to my life seriously the maker of all things made, who gives you breath and life. So out of his grace, he gives you breath. Out of mercy, he allows you to continue using it. You have to understand something here, brothers and sisters. Just like Jesus told us, tomorrow is not promised. So if you become too obstinate, God says, okay, you don't like it there so much and you're going to talk to me in that manner. You aren't going to have auspicious reverence for my authority and you think that you're more sovereign than I, then you can join your friend. You know who that is because that's exactly what happened to you. Brothers and sisters, I am so thankful every day Every day. I'm going to be 66 years old here pretty soon. Wow, that's kind of... And I know there's people that are older and there's people that are younger and yada, yada, yada. But I think what's so beautiful, what I love this, is that 
my grandchildren, although they're a great distance away and, and I don't get to see them and I just, I, I, I don't travel. I just, I can't travel. But that's okay. Because I pray blessing on their house that my children are raising them up in the way they should walk. So I am blessed that way. God has blessed me so mightily. And there are people that can't get over the fact that I am the age I am. And when I tell them that I have the grandchildren I do, they find that very hard to believe. <coughs> Pardon me. So I am thoroughly, thoroughly blessed. I am very thankful that God blesses me. I'm very thankful that God's mercy allows me to continue doing this thing and that he uses me for a conduit to be about his business, his truth, his knowledge, and his wisdom. And again, I'm going to reread starting in Romans 9, 21. Hath not the powder power over the clay of the same lump to make one vessel unto honor and another unto dishonor? And... That's a translation there, and you have to understand that sometimes Hebrew, when they're translating from the Greek and the Hebrew, the words get a little... It's not talking about one being honorable and or dishonorable. I'm, I'm Again, I'm sharing to clarify that. That means one really fancy set of dishes as opposed to everyday dishes. <clears throat> when I was growing up, we had fancy dishes that were for guests. We had fancy flatware that was set out on the table when we had... Special guests coming. Uh, when the pastor and his wife would come and we had a special dinner for a holiday or something and, you know, they brought out the good stuff. They brought out the good china. And then when it was just the family sitting around and, and dad had time from work and he stopped by to have dinner or lunch or whatever, you had these, uh, as I can't even remember what, what they were called, but they were kind of like, they weren't plastic, but they were they were a rigid dish, but they weren't fancy by any way, shape, or form. And <coughs> pardon me. I'm so sorry. So if they got tossed around, yeah, they weren't gonna break. But if you toss around that that uh, the good china, it'd break. But anyway, that's what's talking about the honor and another under dishonor. What if God, willing to show his wrath, and to make his power known, endured with much long-suffering the vessels of wrath fitted to destruction. I just shared that with you. So you're going to keep on bad-mouthing. You're going to be talking back to your heavenly father, the one who created you and gave you so much, gives you everything you need. Might not be what you want, but don't get like Eve. You know you get what you need. You don't need that fruit tree in the middle of the garden. God, I get, I have issues with that. But you know what? Here's the other thing too, that because God is such a good, good father, good heavenly father, he knows that you have a desire for something. And he'll let you. But you just follow and you go along with what you're doing. And you're not doing it in order to get that. You just do it. And the next thing you know, here you have a package delivery or you have something and God allows it. 
So this is what verse 22, what if God willing to show his wrath and to make his power known endured with much long suffering the vessels of wrath fitted to destruction? So what if he got tired of that bad mouthing, that back sassing and that complaining about everything that he did? What if he got tired of it? And he just decided, said, okay, you know what? I've been long suffering enough. I'm, I'm, I'm not gonna do it anymore. But look at this, brother and sister. Let me share this with you. From, nearly from the beginning. If you go to the days of Noah, what Jesus is talking about, he says, such w will it be as it was in the days of Noah before the return of the Son of Man. So before he comes back, it's going to be just like it was in the days of Noah. When Noah spent 120 years building the ark, 120 years it took him to finish. Some of you may have heard that, some have not. But 120 years it took him to finish building that. And every single day, he was preaching repentance and trying to get people to repent, and they refused to do so. But they wanted to take everything that Noah had. They didn't want to do anything to help him out, but they wanted to take everything, take, 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 take. They wanted to backsass him and talk bad about God, and they wanted to backsass uh, Noah when he tried to get him to, to repent. They didn't want to hear it. So they would go down, they'd throw their picnic blanket on the ground, they'd sit there watching Noah up there on the scaffold, for 120 years, they made fun of him. And then Noah heard the voice of the Lord. Noah, it's time to go. Noah took his family and all the animals were already in the ark and they were gone and he started to crank that handle and the ramp went up and then God put his hand on it and sealed it shut. Then everybody around they started making a run for the ark because the rains came down and the floods came up. And it happened near instantaneously. I know how fast rain can fly. I was going down through the lowlands in St. Louis one winter. Lightning, hail, thunder. Oh, it was crazy wild weather. I think there was a tornado somewhere up uh, to the northeast of where I was. But it was coming down so crazy and wild and I watched how fast the water came up. It came up crazy fast. So I know that it can happen. These are in the modern days. There was water bubbling up out of the storm drains. Manholes, the water was bubbling up. The river had already overflooded its bank and it was pouring down. So the low parts of the freeway had come up so quick. People were getting stuck down there and floating on, and they were climbing out of their cars to get on top of their cars. So I say that to say this. So these people, all of a sudden, they're out there and Noah's got his family inside the ark and God put his mighty hand against the ark and sealed it for their safety with his love and his grace. And it was done. And the rains came down and the floods came up. Now they're running for the ark. Noah, Noah, let us in. It's too late. You had the opportunity to repent and turn back. You refuse to do so. What if God, willing to show his wrath and to make his power known, endured with much long suffering the vessels of wrath fitted to destruction? And during the days of Noah, they definitely were. But he didn't want to do that. This is why Jesus 
his only begotten son, why he came down from his throne in heaven and came down here for us. Because I don't want to do this again. My creation, I love these are my children. I don't want to do this. We created them. I don't want them to, they just don't know. And yet, long-suffering, patient, kind, loving. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Everything he does is out of love for us. Further in verse 23, and that he might make known the riches of his glory on the vessels of mercy which he had afore prepared unto glory. Even us, whom he hath called, not of the Jews only, but also of the Gentiles. As he saith also in O.C., I will call them by, call them my people, which were not my people, and her beloved, which were not beloved. And it shall come to pass that in the place where it was said unto them, ye are not my people, there shall they be called the children of the living God. Brothers and sisters, God loves everyone. <clears throat> Pardon me. And John 3.16 is so powerful in and of itself. Book of John. Why these perverts say they have to rewrite because it's wrong? Because we have been teaching John 3.16 wrong? all these many years and that God is somehow blackmailing us into being accepting of Jesus. And if we don't, then he's going to condemn us to hell. Well, that's not at all what the scripture said. God tells us that we have a choice. God made us a free will, choosing, living, breathing creation of his, but he gave us a free will choice to make that known. Do we choose to accept or do we not? If we don't accept, then we have condemned ourselves. And if you do accept, then... You are an heir and a joint heir with Jesus Christ in the kingdom of heaven. And you'll see your loved ones and spend time with Jesus and God and talking to all those that went on before. Man, I'm going to have conversation with Martin Luther King, John F. Kennedy, Billy Graham. I'm going to walk and fields that are so green and the flowers are so bright. The sky is so clean and different. And all this I'm going to be able to take 
part in this because God loves me so much. Brothers and sisters, you have a choice. And if we see that there's two times, uh, we can find Matthew and Mark, uh, Matthew and Luke, I'm sorry. Matthew and Luke share this. Uh, they write about it. <clears throat> and I'm going to share. Um, Jesus had two times that he went on the boat. And then he went across the Sea of Galilee. And there was one time when he went across. And he went to Gergesenes. There, they made a choice there. Jesus landed, and this is where, remember I shared this with you, that the demons, that demons, and they're different than the minions that work for Satan. <clears throat> Pardon me. The demons are those angels that were cast out of heaven and decided to follow Satan, and they wanted to take over. Well, they got the big boot. Those are demons. And they're different. We're we're not we're not uh, inhabitants of uh, Middle Earth, and we don't uh, we're not elves, and you don't uh, get taken over by the wicked wizard and turned from elves into orcs or things like that. If any of you have not seen that, that's what happens. That all the beautiful people they're they're taken over and they're made into these dark creatures that now inhabit the underground. They live in the darkness. They don't even like to go out in the light if they don't have to. They prefer the dark, and they eat people. Pretty gross, actually. So that doesn't happen with minions and those that work for Satan. The demons are those angels that were at one time in heaven. They do know scripture. They know who Jesus is. They recognize his authority, and there's many places in the Bible where we will find that that is so. And this is one of those times. Jesus landed the boat, or Jesus didn't, but the boat landed on the shore there. And I hope I pronounce this right. Gergesenes, G-E-R-G-E-S-E-N-E-S. Okay, Gergesenes. Landed there in the tombs, and there was confronted with demons that were inhabiting individuals in the tombs, and they they couldn't even hold them subdued with chains and ropes because it would break them and dash them all asunder, and people were frightened of them, and the demons came. And they recognized the authority of Jesus Christ right away. And they said to him, Jesus, thou son of God, we know who you are. What have we to do with you? Did you come to destroy us? Did you come to take our lives? Did you come to kill us? And 
And they didn't, and Jesus commanded them to divulge their name. And they told him that they were legion, because there's a whole bunch of them. And that's when Jesus cast them out, and they went into the swine, and the swine went down the bank and, and killed themselves. Well, the herders all ran back into town, and they told everybody what happened. But how do you imagine their story was? Because when the people came out from the village or the town, they came out and they were so afraid of Jesus. They were frightened because they saw these one time demonically possessed was sitting at Jesus' feet, calmly dressed, eating, and normal. They didn't understand. They were frightened. So how did the people tell them these things took place? Did they report back the same way that the spies that went into Canaan said, oh, we saw ourselves as grasshoppers. Those giants are going to kill. We can't do that. We can't do it. God's not powerful enough. We saw ourselves as grasshoppers and they know that they're just going to stomp us. Well, so how did these townspeople? Because, and I bring that up because they came out and they actually were afraid of Jesus. They didn't appreciate the fact that these demons were now cast out and they weren't going to bother the people of the village anymore. They were going to just be able to go around and, and uh, bring people out there that were to be buried and be able to do it. And they weren't going to be harassed by anything. Jesus had fixed it, but they were frightened. What did they do? They asked Jesus to leave. Their choice was to have Jesus go away. You gotta go. Time ago. So they did. They asked Jesus to leave. Now, there's another trip that Jesus took. And he went to another place, again by boat. And this time, this is when Jesus had come out, <laughs> pardon me. Jesus had gone out, met them in the sea because he went walking on the water. And they went to a different place. They went to Genseret. And they welcomed Jesus. They were so pleased that Jesus was there. They all went back because they saw the boat land and they recognized Jesus. Maybe it was closer to Jerusalem and people were talking about, I don't know. Maybe it was closer and people were traveling there and the word came. <laughs> Pardon me. And um, But they were happy to see Jesus. They went and they said, hey, 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 hey. He's here. Jesus is here. Everybody that doesn't feel well, come on, let's go. Jesus just landed on the boat. He just landed. They went and they were pleased to see Jesus and have him in their midst. They were pleased. 
Brother and sister, I share this because it's very important. We have a choice. We are have a free will choice. So are we choosing to be thankful to see Jesus, appreciate Jesus, accepting of Jesus and what he has for us? God, or are we going to be those rebellious that are going to be shaking our fists at heaven and crying out to God, what are you, what are you, what are you doing to my life now? What do you think you're up to? Shoot. Don't want to talk to my father like that. And I would not. That's my heavenly father. He is my sovereign king. Not only is he my king, my, my creator, but he loves me so much. He gives me so much, provides so much. Most importantly is my breath. Everything else is a bonus. Brothers and sisters, very important. We have choices to make, free will choices. And I pray that you choose to accept that Jesus Christ is his only begotten son and God does indeed love us all and that you just simply, I want Jesus in my life. I want my life to change. I don't want to be addicted to all this hubbub and having to run around. I want to, I want to have quiet time that I can spend with you, God. Brothers and sisters, you are in my prayers on my going out, my coming in every day, every day, every day. That you make the choice, a good, solid decision to accept that Jesus Christ is the only begotten Son of God. And all you have to do is simply declare it. I want Jesus to change my life. I will have faith in you, Father God. And I want the Holy Spirit to guide my steps. Very simple. Very simple. And if you feel more comfortable, you can have somebody pray with you to do it. But it's very simple. You're in my prayers going out and coming in every day. Brothers and sisters, be blessed.